This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Nor is he a guy that, you know feels obligated necessarily to do that. He's confident enough that he doesn't have to tell everybody what he's doing. What I'm driving at is that um, I think he runs the department. I think this is going to be primarily his decision. Now, I'm not naive. I know that there are always going to be people who are going to insert themselves into the conversation. Some will be summarily ushered out. Others will be made to feel as though they have a voice. Right from They may not. And that's always kind of how it works. But I do believe that... And you can log on to WikerGriffin.com. ...department. Um, but some of the things that were said on Sunday, some of the reports, I mean, it was like Groundhog Day to me. I mean, it, it, it was like we were 10... It was like 10 years ago. Well, what about Gus? You know, <laughs> I mean, some of the, you know, the, 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 the sources that I know people went to, I mean, these things were 10 years old. And I can just tell you right now that from a media perspective, the sources today are not the sources from even five years ago. And I'm not surprised that a lot of the stuff that got out Sunday was just flat out wrong. Just flat out wrong. And I think ever since, quite frankly we have reacted to flat-out wrong stories. Now, I know that that's a different issue from should the Razorbacks change coaches. I know are they changing coaches and should they change coaches are two very, very different issues. I get that. But I think the are they changing coaches question has been way, way, way overblown over the past 48, 72 hours. Um, and, And by that, I mean are they doing it now? Um, now, should they, will they? Those are things that are going to be decided, I feel pretty sure, um, when this is done. Um, and we are approaching the end, so we're not that, that, that very far, you know, we're not that far away. Those who think money doesn't play into this are kidding themselves. It does play into this. Um, there are lots of factors that come into play. But let me tell you something. Um... This is one tough nut to crack in our league. And we've tried a whole bunch of coaches, a whole bunch. And we've still not been able to do it, at least not consistently. Um, I was counting it up. I guess, you know, I've, I've worked with six. And I've been the play-by-play guy for 17, just my 17th year. I've worked with six. If hiring and firing was the, uh, was the answer, we'd be in the top ten. Just like if spending money was the answer, A&M be 10-0. So um, there are a lot of tough, tough questions to be asked and answered. And I realize from the outside looking in, it looks very simple. It looks very simple. I get that. I, I completely get that, and I don't fault people like Keith for feeling the way they do. I don't. But I've been around it enough to know it's a lot more complicated than that. And it is a very, very tough situation to find yourself in. And if you can avoid it, you better do it. It may be exciting for fans. They may love a coaching search more than they love the ball games themselves sometimes. But just understand, 
that when you wade into that territory, you are admitting defeat, you are giving up, and you are starting over. We've done that a lot, and it hasn't always worked out. I think to a lot of people, the decisions in their minds are cut and dry, and on the inside, it just it just isn't. Well, that, that look, all. when you're involved in it, you live in the gray. Mm-hmm. When you're not involved in it, and you're just and you're just observing, it's black and white, and looks very simple. And I understand that. I'm not faulting people for saying that. I'm not. I'm not saying they're bad or stupid or anything like that. I'm just saying they don't understand enough about it. They're not as informed as you have to be to really make the final call. And I don't know how else to put it. Um, Hunter Juracek's informed enough to make the final call, and I trust him to do that. And um, just for the record, I trust Sam Pittman as our head coach, too, a lot more than others do as well. And um, I will say that. But uh, I, I, I have no idea what's, what's going to happen. Well, I have an idea what's going to happen if they don't beat FIU. I do have an idea about mm-hmm. what's going to happen sure. there. But uh, um, I think the next, you know, stay tuned. There's a lot more to come, that's for sure. I think we can squeeze in one more call with Chuck all before right. we hit the break. I ran Cody a with this I'm next. Sorry. No, that's all right. That's all right. I mean, these are <laughs> these these are not easy uh, easy things to hit on in just thirty seconds. Cody, appreciate you calling today. What's up? How's it going? You got T Bone there with you too? Yo. T Bone, what's up, my friend? Hey guys, I was just down there in Hot Springs this Saturday. We was at the cheer competition. Me and my buddy Brad was down there putting out the cheer dad vibes. And uh as we was going back out through Plainview, I seen that Clampett's place. Is that where you guys are going to be Friday? That's exactly where we're going to be on Friday. That's right. Clampett's Country Kitchen, uh, Highway 7, North Hot Springs Village. Ooh. Yes. Okay. I seen where it was. I'm going to try to get, I'm going to try to make my way down there, make my reservation, guys. But instead of a picture or an autograph, I'm going to try to get us an airbrush photo. <laughs> Is that possible? Wow. Could you airbrush me in there? I mean, if we, if you're there, we can find a way to brush you in, Cody. Absolutely. Awesome, man. I'm going to bring the gang with me down there, old Tidy Whitey's Tyler Hudson and stuff. Uh, maybe old Gary House. I don't know, Snuffy, Bruce. Is it okay? If I mean, as long as we got reservations, we're allowed to be there, right? That's <laughs> right, yeah. And if you can yet. scrape up the 25 bucks, you find that on the top of Blue Mountain. We'll, we'll, oh. we'll go right there with you, okay, Cody? Okay, Tw- 25 bucks. You got it, guys. And uh, listen, I really hope to see you there. And tonight, I got to make a confession real quick, fellas. I've been holding this in, and now is the right moment. T-Bone, Phil, I have never seen the last two episodes of Seinfeld. Well, Tonight, I'm going to... I'm not kidding, guys. Is that a terrible thing? I have waited 11 years to watch the last two episodes of Seinfeld. I've never seen them. Well, apparently there's going to be a change in it sometime soon, Cody. I heard uh, Seinfeld talking about that recently. Chuck? I thought Cody might have something for oh, you. Oh, it's but okay. I enjoyed it. You guys have fun at Clampett's Country Kitchen. That, that that sounds good. You got that right, man. We'll eat all the ribs, all the pulled pork and brisket that you could eat too, and I'll tell you about it. Uh, tell all you right. about it the next sounds day. Sounds great. You, you guys have it. fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Chuck. Melvin is with us here. What's up, Melvin? Well, what y'all are saying kind of makes sense. Maybe try to give the guy a couple more years and not give up, but make sure that he hires some qualified coordinators and coaches that want to be head coaches. I feel like it's been the problem all along is the head coach at Arkansas has not ever, ever, none of them 
besides Frank Bull's been afraid to have head coaching material on the staff. You understand what I'm saying? Afraid to have somebody that might even be a little bit better than you. But when Frank Bull's had Arkansas whipping everybody, every coach on that staff had, was head coaching material. Well, and then there's the one instance of, uh, of you did have Barry Odom on the staff for the last three years, uh, and he's, he's turned UNLV around pretty quickly, had a little bit of success at Missouri, and, I mean, there might be something to be said about Sam not having his, his number one lieutenant with him uh, in this year. Some of those decisions, um, you know, might have been, who knows, maybe, some, maybe the field goal would have been kicked at that chance. If you have the person you trust to bounce the ideas off of at that moment, but that is an interesting point made by Melvin. And I'm trying to, in my mind, go through some of the coaching staffs over the years. Um, did Coach Nutt have a, have a have assistants that became head coaches somewhere else? Chad Morris did. Tra- Jeff Trailer coached for him. He's, he's turned U- UTSA into a good mid-major program. Yeah, you know, Co- Coach Nutt had a lot of good coaches. I don't know how many of them went on to, to coach, be, be a head coach, but, you know, David Lee coached a lot of football. Uh, coach Roy Wickey coached Tony Romo. Uh, Mark, Coach M- M- Markinson, uh, one of the best offensive line coaches I've ever been around. Uh, you had Bobby Allen, Coach John Thompson on the defensive side. I mean, you, you had they were, he was he was littered with, and that's what we were talking about yesterday, Phil. I, when we I brought up Saban had Lane Kiffin, he, he has Sarkeesian, he has uh, Bill Bill O'Brien. You know, people coming in being his OC that, that bring all the offensive minds you can get in, get as many as you can. Uh, in, in the meeting room and, and, and get a game plan together. You know, you also have this instance in pro football of, of, a, of a Hall of Fame coach, maybe the greatest ever, Belichick, hasn't had a single assistant be a successful head coach. I only think of two or three of them that even became head coaches somewhere else. Uh, Patricia, McDaniels, and Charlie Weiss. And all three of them. I mean, those... I think, those I think ex- Bill O'Brien's one of his, too. Well, O'Brien, uh, yeah, I guess so, yeah. And O'Brien, I mean... He was kind of, yeah, yeah. None of them have had any successful runs. And in a couple of cases, I mean, it has massively exploded in utter failure. So, uh, But it is an interesting point brought up by Melvin. It's football season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. And with 64-inch TVs, beer, burgers, and, you know, wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch the big game. So bring the gang and join us this football season at your local Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings, beer, wings, sports, and your home for any game. Roar! Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Great to talk with Pig Trail Nation's Alyssa Orange on Halftime each Tuesday, right around this time. Give or take six, seven, eight minutes every once in a while. Alyssa, what's up? Not your average, uh, not your average few days in Razorback land, is it? 
It, it, it hasn't been. It, it's been a little wild. I think it's been a little wild across the SEC football landscape in general for the SEC West with two firings of head coaches that um, are not Arkansas and Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. And, you know, I have my whole opinions about that. And then uh, Zach Arnett at Mississippi State. But uh, here we are on a Tuesday getting ready for FIU. Yeah, and speaking of changes, uh, Alyssa, last year we, we lost both offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator and our strength coach. And then this year uh, we've lost our OC already. What what other changes do you do you see happening in, in the next couple weeks? Or, I, I mean, I guess in, what, what what is the next change you see happening for this football team? Yeah, I think a lot is up in the air right now. And I think a lot just dictates on what happens these next two weeks. Um, against FIU and, and Missouri, and I'm not talking wins and losses. I'm talking effort. Like, what effort are we going to get from this Arkansas football team uh, at home where they just have not played well all season long? And so um, I think that's really going to be, you know, a determining factor on, on how things move forward. Um, personally, I do not think Sam Pittman um, is let go this year, uh, but I do think that some changes have to be made. So you look at um, bringing in a offensive coordinator who either has a really good uh, track record as an offensive coordinator. And look, Dan Enos did moving in, but it just didn't work here. Or a guy who has been a head coach before, like Barry Odom was, coming in here as the D.C., previously the head coach at Missouri, uh, to have that kind of uh, head coaching experience for Sam Pittman to lean on. I mean, I think we're seeing possibly how much Sam really relied on having conversations with Barry on a daily basis about being a head coach, running a football team, off off the field things, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, Barry now leaves to go and be the head coach at UNLV. How much uh, of an impact are we seeing that that was actually a really big void that Sam Pittman had to fill? And maybe Dan Enos was that answer, but it didn't work out. And so you have to bring in a guy like that. Um, and then we might see some some staff changes. Um, you know, I know the offensive line has been highly criticized. You know, does Sam Pittman feel like he needs to make those changes uh, from a position standpoint um, on his coaching staff to make some, some difference moving forward into year five for him? But again, I think it all hinges on what we see out of this football team the next two weeks. Well, this month would have been the month where uh, where well, it was his, it's it's really the chance to to change the direction of your season and then change the direction of what the off season is going to be like. And I agree with you. I do think Sam Pittman will be the head coach this next year. But this but but it'd be a heck of a lot different if you go into the off season even with a loss to Auburn, but you played well. You know, but you played with effort right. and with toughness and physicality and all that. All that feels like it's like it's out the window now. You know, any you'll. I don't know what will happen against Mizzou. I, they're going to beat FIU. But, but a lot of that, I think, in our minds, when you're watching the game, if people are watching the game, you're going to go by body language. You're going to go by effort, you know, maybe not necessarily the final score, you know. And I don't know if you can go into the offseason with the feeling of, man, we were able to turn things around because we all, we all saw what happened this past Saturday. Yeah, and, and that's the biggest thing is where, where is the future headed? Um, and, and what kind of changes are being made? Look, there are even going to be discussions about KJ, uh, KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders' future because they do have eligibility left. Rocket's just a junior, and they were really looking on draft stock this year. Same with KJ. KJ's got a year of eligibility. 
does he try to go to the NFL? Does he come back to Arkansas? Or does he transfer and play somewhere else for his final year of college football? All of those also have a big impact too, Phil, because we don't know what the makeup of this football team is going to look like, not from a coaching standpoint, but also from a player standpoint. They're still recruiting well. And so they've got that, and they know the talent that they have on this team that are young and the talent that they continue to bring in if they continue to hold on to those recruits uh, before signing day in December. Um, but but those, those other guys like your KJ and your Rocket, can't, what are their decisions? How does that lie? And then how does that change how it trickles down from there? So there are a lot of things that we're going to be looking at once this football season ends in November. We'll still be talking about football come December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, and then right back in August before 2024 season starts. Yeah, at the end of the year, you always have like an, a, a review or an evaluation. I, I think it, when, when you can't get to six, you're evaluating towards next year. I, I would see that Chriswell would play. I don't know that he starts, but I, I would imagine there's a conversation that says, hey, man, you're going to get the third and fourth series. We're going to see how it goes. And that might go along for some other players as well, not just the quarterback position. But you have to evaluate who's going to be our guys that are going to play with us next year. It's 100%. And this, these are two games that you get to do, two real live action games that you get to do it in. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and you can play them, and they're not going to lose any eligibility, right, because you can play four games still hold on to that that red shirt tag of yours and not lose a year of eligibility. So when you look at guys like Auguste on the running back room, like are we going to see him at all? Because we've seen him some you know, do some some good things in practices when we've been able to go to practice. Uh, But do we see a freshman like him get some action? I think Jacoby Criswell, and Sam Pittman said this, deserves to be on the field. And and he's come in and he's shown that he, he can handle the offense. We know he's experienced. He came from North Carolina. Um, we should probably see him more than not this this uh, next two weeks. And I think that it's deserving of him. You know, I we've seen enough of KJ in terms of we know what KJ is able to do on on the field. Let let's see what Jacoby Criswell looks like. Let's put him in some positions to see what we can do and see how, you know, offensively he can move the football up and down the field. I would love it. You know, the, uh, the openings in the uh, SEC West, I mean, it's fascinating to see <laughs> how different. They're the <laughs> same division. They're in the same league and all of that. But, man, are you talking about mm-hmm. two totally different situations here? A&M was literally yeah. handed a giant check worth $160 million at halftime of the Mississippi State One game. of the most baller moves ever. I mean, incredible. <laughs> right. Half that money, or, or a little under half that money, is just going right into Jimbo Fisher's mm-hmm. pocket. All right? I don't know mm-hmm. what Zach Arnett's uh, buyout is, but he was making $3 million. I don't know if yeah. he had much of a buyout. I think it was just a two-year deal that he'd signed anyway. Right. So it's, you know, kind yeah, of the so- pittance to go away two totally right. opposite ends of the spectrum. And Alyssa, yeah. like Arkansas somewhere in the middle as far as that's concerned. <laughs> right, exactly. So to, to answer the bio question with Zach Arnett, what I looked at yesterday and read was they owe him 50% of his $9 million buyout um, unless he gets another job. So that's $4.5 million. That's, that's nothing. Um, but then you look at, at what Jimbo Fisher is owed on top of the buyout for all of his, his assistant coaches who just signed contract extensions earlier this year, too. Uh, that's a lot of money. That's close to $100 million. I obviously have some personal feelings about A&M and Jimbo Fisher, and that is not a secret or lost on anyone. And I texted one of my 
friends from college that said, you know, A&M thought they could buy themselves a championship. Instead, they're buying Jimbo Fisher a private island. <laughs> and that's just what happens when you try to throw money at somebody and hope that, that they're able to coach you to a national title. Uh, I'm grateful that Jimbo Fisher and that 2013 team won a national title for my alma mater. But there is no love lost, nor do I feel bad for Jimbo Fisher whatsoever. He can take his $76 million and go disappear for all I care. So uh, I'm a little disappointed with Mississippi State um, just looking at pulling that trigger after 10 games. I don't know why you do that in the middle of the season. It, it was an impossible move to try to replace Mike Leach after what happened less than a year ago with his passing. Um but, you know, that I've seen people are like, well, this was their John L. Smith move. Well, I think everyone kind of, that's probably not the smartest thing to do. And I just feel like Zach Arnett at least deserves some more time to build things up and to see if he actually can be a head coach instead of 10 games in. Because if this was going to be your John L. move, let's let the guy finish the final two years or two games of the season. You could win those games. There could be a miracle in the Egg Bowl, and you beat Ole Miss, and now you're bowl eligible. You never know what's going to happen. Um, that one was a little bit more of a head-scratcher for me. I think everyone saw the writing on the wall, though, at A&M. Yeah, I think they did. We were just kind <clears> of <throat> – it's just the sticker shock of the number. That's just amazing. Oh, yeah. It really is amazing to look at that number and say, well, I think the, the second largest buyout is maybe $55 million less it's it, it's amazing, and you know the thing about this is A and M just kind of ruined the whole uh, salary scale uh, for the rest of the mm-hmm. country in some of these cases. And it's a school that is not mm-hmm. Alabama. It is a school that is not Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. They view themselves in a way that nobody else in the were. country does. Mm-hmm. They do, but but find me a title to go with it. That's right. That's what I mean. You can no, like. Okay, cool. So you have a lot of money, but you haven't spent it very wisely. What does that make you? Yeah, I agree. Hey, I, I do want to ask you real quick, Alyssa. I saw where – how much do you pay attention to the teams in your division with the Dolphins? Because I saw where uh, the, the Bills fired uh, Dorsey today. Yeah, no, I, I've been paying attention. You know, it's um, – the Dolphins were off this past week, so that was kind of nice to just relax on a Sunday and not um, have anything to do. Um, well, I say that, then all of the craziness on social media happened on Sunday. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I have no love loss for the Bills or the Jets or the Patriots. Um, but the Bills are just trying to figure stuff out right now. I mean, they're too talented of a roster to be struggling um, and, and, and not having things click the way that they thought they, they would. Um, and so that's not very surprising. Uh, the Patriots, it's, that's, that's what's kind of crazy is that they still – continue to struggle uh, with some just really bad choices. I I just don't think Mac Jones is the guy. And uh, you're not used to Bill Belichick being, I think, whether it's two and seven right now. Um, But that's kind of wild. And then, hey, it it looks like Aaron Rodgers might be back in a few weeks. I don't know what that's about. But um, it could get really interesting come come the end of of the, the regular season here in the AFC East. 
Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Thanksgiving dinner will be memorable this year at the historic Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in Hot Springs. Thursday, November 23rd from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. in the Venetian Dining Room, you'll have a salad bar, carving station, hot buffet items, and desserts featuring traditional and unique items. Over 12 dine for $58 per person, under 12 for $29, and under 6 eat free. Reservations required. Must have credit card to hold reservations. Call 501-623-7771 or log on at arlingtonhotel.com slash dining for reservations and complete menu items i think we got eric musselman live tonight usually do that the day after a monday game i read some of the guys said that was a kind of odd they're playing monday basketball games did you play monday basketball games matt at arkansas well i didn't show up till after football season and um you know it, it wasn't it's not like it's set uh in basketball where you play every saturday uh it, it is a little choppy so it doesn't matter really what day it is it's it's the you, you know your routine for football and basketball is a little different your, your routine for football you know your creature habit it's 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 set week by week by week where basketball is more you know in 24 48 72 hour segments where you kind of have your plan and, and you get going so you you kind of have that feel for game day I grew up watching Monday games, and that was a big deal. You remember Big Monday on ESPN? That was a, that was a huge oh, deal. Oh, Dickie B, just, yeah. just getting it on. Yeah, It'd man. be the thing that, I um, mean, you'd have Monday. Maryland, once, Duke. One, once the basketball season started and it coincided with football and the Monday nights, you'd go to, a, go to one of the local watering holes with a bunch of buddies, and you got football on one TV, basketball on another, and it was all the big leagues in college basketball, Big 12, uh, Big East, Big Ten were playing. I guess the SEC wasn't playing much around that time on a Monday. 877-377-6963 for calls and texts. Brent has tried to call a couple times, and here he is. What's up, Brent? How are you? Long time no talk, Phil and Matt. It has been, that- but I've heard you on other shows, Brent. I, you're st- I knew you still out there. Oh, oh yeah, but I, I want to ask you guys, this question, okay? If I don't know that Hunter Yurchek can afford not to make a change at, at with Coach Pittman, but I like Coach Pittman, and my reasoning is if he says we're going to give him another year and it goes disaster next year, then Hunter, your check. Then they both will be fired. Can I get Can I get y'all's reaction? I, I to think that? as 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 what what you what you're looking at is as a football school, you're you're basing it all on one sport. When when you look around uh, at the University of Arkansas, it's actually never it's never been healthier. It's probably the most healthiest it's ever been in in other sports, and it's the football team needs to catch up. 
I think firing uh, Hunter Juracek would be an incredibly short-sighted uh, approach to that's uh, that's, that's, he, that's that's what I mean. He runs a lot more than just a football thing. We think, yeah, what do we want? We want the football team to have success, but I think every other team up there is having having success. But I see what your point is, Brent. It's like, well, they're already tied together because Hunter made the hire. That's that was his hire was Sam Pittman, uh, and and at this point, you know, you're already tied together. Uh, you bring it, you leave him in for another year and things don't change. Does that change his job security? I don't think he'd be let go after that. I really don't. I, yeah, I think he'd get one more. I think Coach Pittman will be our coach next year and he knows what's at stake. I think the schedule's tough, but it'd be more navigable next year. Um, you, make, you made the right defensive hire. I think you make the right offensive hire this next year. Uh, it's crazy that we we get we add Texas and Tennessee and Oklahoma State, and I'm saying the schedule's going to be right. easier next year. Right. Well, what if it does work? What if what if bringing him in for another year does work and making a couple of good hires on the staff, uh, you know, and you don't tear the whole thing down and you don't lose some of your best uh, recruits uh, based on 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 burning the whole thing down because you're making a coaching change, which means pretty much wholesale changes. What if it does work at that point, and then it was the the right decision? Everybody's got an opinion about what will work and what won't work right now. Nobody really knows. Hey, you know, bring bring H back for five years. <laughs> get, get, give H a five year deal. I bet he. I bet he'd have him to play off twelve at least once. Hmm. H. Who could that be? H N. H D N. Harry Styles. <laughs> uh, One Direction. Yeah. Let's get more of them. Ben and Ford Smith. Thanks for the phone call. What's up? Hey. Just wanted to give you. A little bit of a different take. I respectfully disagree with Matt. I believe that Coach Pittman will be brought out in the next uh, a short time ahead. I, I don't believe the program has uh, another option. And uh, you know, I just love the guy. have a lot of respect for him. I know it's going to be done with dignity, and that's how it should be done. He's earned that. But uh, the program, the recruits, uh, Matt, you've alluded to this many times. He doesn't have that cap on the state. We don't have enough Arkansas uh, guys up there. You're right. Exactly. The, the first two years, were none of those were his kids. Uh, you know, the, the third year, what is this, his fourth year? So That's right. The first two years, were the, the, he was playing – with somebody else's recruits. Uh, last year, uh, the game with Liberty was uh, a huge uh, signal, uh, a devastating uh, sign that the program was headed in the wrong direction. And then now this year, uh, with the toughest schedule in the country, I give him that. But the point is not that he he's unable to win a, a, a title the kids are not competitive, and they're they're not only not competitive, but uh, there seems to be an attitude of uh, of folly in the program right now. I just don't think we have any choice but to move forward, and I'm convinced the decision will be made shortly. All right, all right, Ben. Well, here's the thing: like a lot of the a lot of the changes happen now because of early signing period, which starts right after the conference championship games. Like that's, that's the, that's, that's a reason why 
why Jimbo was let go with two games left. That's why Zach Garnett was let go with two games left. It's shocking to see that, but you're starting to get used to it, and that's because of the early signing period. So I don't know. If you're waiting until the end of the season, are you really doing that? Or is that what, is that what we're really doing, waiting until the end of the season, and then you're kind of in limbo at that point? Well, you, you would think a good AD is already making connections and, and, and already you know, seeing the, checking out the spider web, checking it out and seeing who, who's available. I mean, you have a pulse on the situation. You would think so. And, and, and just to push back a little bit on the point there, they do have another option. There is another option. And I think if there wasn't another option, <clears throat> then, the, co- then, then the, the decision would have been made by now. Uh, back onto the McClarty Daniel hotline, Kevin in Fort Smith. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I, I really just want to talk a little bit about facts and what's going on. I mean, let's, let's get out of conjecture. Let's talk about facts. 11 years worth. A football for Arkansas, they're 56 and 79 since 2012. The SEC record reflects that. Uh, you know, they let, uh, Lane Kiffin get away for what amounted to be about a million dollars at that time, which I know I've listened to you guys over the last couple of days and it is easier to spend somebody else's money, but we could have had Lane Kiffin who had had coaching experience at several levels over a million dollars. Um, you know, apparently we didn't want to get into a bidding war with that. I don't know that we have a true NIL that will compete with different uh, schools around the SEC. And so I really don't think that we are a serious football program ready to compete at the SEC level. And until we get serious about the program itself, we're not going to compete. And we're going to continue to get the results that we have gotten over the last 11 years. And right now we're reaching to try to keep Sam Pittman, who is two and twelve in his last fourteen SEC ball games, and uh, I, gosh, whatever record he is over the last two years. Or actually, if you look at it, um, being three and zero last year after the South Carolina game, he finished that year four and six, and now they're three and six, so seven and twelve over that span. I mean, all of the metrics say that right now this program is going in the wrong direction, and until somebody does something to change it, which, you know, they brought in Bobby Petrino after Houston Nutt, even though the program wasn't even near what it is right now, they're going to have to find somebody that can get the wheels going in the right direction. And, you know, last year we, we dressed 48 kids for the bowl game against Kansas. Tell me. At what football program would that ever be considered the right direction? And so when you add up all these, these metrics, I don't think that we're looking at a program that's going to get any better under the current head coach. I like the guy. I think he's a great dude. But there's a lot more than having a cold beer with somebody to coach your SEC football program. Those are facts that are there. There is another fact that it looked like the program was going in a better direction after a nine-win season. I mean, everybody felt like that. that well, that's a fact as well. And it's not all on Pittman for the last 12 years. I mean, that's obvious too. But you saw these, sign, you saw these signs under Brett Bielema. You saw signs under Chad Morris. Uh, never quite thought that you're going to build it back up. Sam Pittman built it to, well, maybe built might not be the right word, but you got nine wins in one year, and that looked like the program was going in the proper direction. But there's no doubt. I mean, in the last, uh, after the third game of, of last year, since then, 
things have gone in in the opposite direction. Um, and I don't know if firing Sam Pittman and bringing in another coach is guaranteed that that's going to change things because that was the idea of bringing in Brett Bielema. That was the idea of firing him and bringing in another coach. That was the same idea of firing Chad Morris and bringing in Sam Pittman. At some point, the coach churn stops, or it doesn't, and the program stays where it is. Daryl in Northwest Arkansas, you get to take us into the break. Hi, Daryl. How are you? Good. How about yourself? Great. Thank you. Hey, uh, I'm an Alabama grad and Alabama fan, but I've lived in Northwest Arkansas for the last 30 years. And I just have to take a little disagreement to a lot of the other fans that have called here saying the team's not competitive. You look at all these games this year that he's lost by less than a touchdown. I think it's a matter of a play here and a matter of a play there that he could get a good offensive coordinator and a staff there. And you'd be talking about a difference between uh, a two or a three win season versus an eight win or nine win season. So I mean, like I said, I'm not a huge Arkansas fan, but I think Pittman is the right guy for the job. And I think if he gets the right people and the right people on staff, he can actually turn this thing around. Yeah, I also I understand what you're saying here, but I, I don't know if I view that this team is just a handful of plays away from, from from being a good team this year. You are what your record says in November. And when you consistently lose close games, that means you're not making their plays that you need to win those games and you get blown out in your own stadium in a game that you really had to give your best effort in front of your fans i don't care what the record is in close games anymore after that bet online is your number one source for all your betting needs get the latest odds lines and matchup reports for baseball boxing golf and more bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action remember to use our promo code Code believe that's B L E A V for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hi everybody, this is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year: Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures, and at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one of a kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Right now, Eastside Liquor has a truckload of eggnog, winter seasonal beers, stouts and liquors, rum chata, moonshake creams, and more. Don't forget about the hog bourbon decanters. Come by the drive-thru or walk inside to see Dave and his team at Eastside Liquor, 9390 in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. Bill King from Nashville Sports Radio joining Halftime here for a weekly segment. Always appreciate his time. Bill, it's been a very interesting uh, few days here in, in Razorbackland. Heck, it's been an interesting day, uh, few days all across college football. Then make it a little smaller. The SEC West, wow, the last couple of days. Arkansas, yeah, kind of fit right into that. How you doing? How, how much are you enjoying watching this from, uh, from the outside? 
so many stories, and this happens to me most every day where, and I don't know if it happens to you guys, a couple hours later after your show, something hits you that you wished you'd have gotten to, right? You just didn't get to it. And that happens on a regular basis. Yesterday and today, there's about 10 things I didn't get to that I wanted to. A lot of stuff. Well, we, we, we just kind of touched on this Mississippi State, Texas A&M, both of them doing coaches coaches searches. What, what's the big difference? Because they're going to be t- two totally different searches. What, what, what are some of the candidates you're hearing for both these jobs? Well, let's begin with Mississippi State. Other than Vanderbilt, it's likely the toughest gig in the league. Not saying you can't win some there because I've seen coaches dating back to Jackie Sherrill before he got in trouble, Dan Mullen. I've seen teams win there, but it's a very, very difficult job to win at inside the SEC, considering who all your neighbors are. And I don't know if these are the candidates, but I would go after Rich Rodriguez, who's perfect. He's over there at Jacksonville State for a place that has to rely on overachieving. At Mississippi State, you have to overachieve. And Rich Rod is a quarterback guy. I can promise you he'd have a quarterback ready immediately to install, and that offense would be good. It's what he does. The other side of the ball would be a work in progress. They usually have some talent on defense. That's the kind of name. Would you reach back out to Dan Mullen and see if he'd want to give it another just another try? Don't know if he would or wouldn't. That might be a conversation. And with A&M... You're, you're, it, it's a fantastic gig. Unlimited resources. I would flirt with Mike Oko. I would flirt with Lance Leopold. Dan Lanning says he's not coming. I believe him. I don't think that's just coaches talk. I do believe he's not going to leave Oregon. And and I think that when the Alabama job comes open, that might be their choice someday. So he can sit back and make all that money at Oregon and, and play good ball. But A&M is a fantastic job. A&M is the most untapped, could-be big brand in America, and it has been that way for quite some time. Well, then why have they never why, – why, why are they middling? Why are they such a mediocre program? They pack the stadium. They've got more money than almost any program in the, in the country. Um, they've got all this talent around them. They had the SEC to themselves as far as Texas is concerned for a long time. Why – has A&M never put it together? Leadership. Head coach. They never hire the right head coach that sustains. I've seen R.C. Slocum have a good run. Jackie Sherrill again. Jackie Sherrill had a really good run there. But it's always about the hires. They don't hire the guy that's the right fit. This notion that it's all about the players and that's all that matters and if you just throw enough talent out there you're going to win is a huge lie if you don't get the right head coach in place none of that other stuff matters it all gets negated and you have to nail the hire and that's what they have not been doing basically historically yeah, even someone had a little run there. Uh, Bill, yeah. I, I look up and I see Louisville 9-1. and one. Uh, I, I don't know who their coach is right now, but is this sustainable? Is this a real thing? Is Louisville for a, a real 9-1 and one team, or has their schedule been soft? Jeff Brom is a brilliant offensive mind. He's a Louisville guy, played there. The whole family is Louisville. Did a really good job at Purdue with the limitations you have there. 
Their schedule was not very tough this year. That's part of it. But I figured they'd be much improved. They will always be. When there's a Brom, Jeff Brom coaching, that offense will always be active. And frankly, I think they'll be a lot better in the future than they are offensively. And it's not a very good league. So couple those two things together, and you have that opportunity that he's taking advantage of. But no, that's the Brom family, which is all about Louisville, guys. They're as much about that school as any family is about any other school. Yeah, I remember Brom. I think he, he was around my age. I don't know if he was 15 for some reason. I want to say he was 15, but he was a big, strong kid with the, with the, I mean, with the, that could throw it. Jeff Brom, you got Brian Brom. His dad's a longtime coach. The whole family. And, you know, they tried to get him a couple of years prior when he was at Purdue and he didn't leave. He did, for whatever reason, the timing wasn't good. But this time when it was, uh, presented to him a year ago then it was time to go back home it might, you know the old bear bryant mama called and he's back where he needs to be i want to go back to jimbo here <clears throat> you know you look at what happened in mississippi state <clears throat> you, had a, you had a guy who was not ready to be a head coach in zach arnett that was that was asked right. to do something that feels impossible when you look at it uh a&m's a totally different story you had a guy who'd won a national title at florida state what what was wrong with, with how Jimbo handled that program? Why did it not work there for him? The main reason would be quarterback. Now, Kellen Mond early on was a good quarterback for them. You remember, he put up a lot of yards. Quarterback hadn't been right. They have not been right at quarterback. And you could say that he hadn't been right, Jimbo, since Jameis Winston. Now, he's had some serviceable quarterbacks, but frankly... It just hasn't been the same. And then not that you're going to replace an equal talent to Jameis Winston next time you go get a guy. But that's been the main problem. Probably not real well coached. They're not real well coached on defense. You could argue they have the best defensive line and deepest defensive line in the SEC. Guys, you, you want to know uh, how much they think about that defensive line? The defensive line coach is the interim head coach. Now, why do you think they did that? Because that's the one group they want to keep happy and keep out of the sport. That's exactly why they did that. I got to ask you about Arkansas. You know, I don't know how much of the uh, Auburn game you watched because it got out of hand really quickly. Um, But just the idea that they'd played this series of close games, finally pulled one out in a place they'd never pulled one out before, Florida, and then that happens. I mean, how does that happen? I can't answer that question. I got to just say it. That's the sign of a poorly coached team. That doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. If you're stable, I'm not saying you have to win that game, but to have it completely unravel like that is poor leadership. I don't know what Sam needs to do specifically. Obviously, we've got the portal coming up here in about two weeks. That's big. Recruiting is big. But that's the sign of a poorly coached team. It is, and uh, I'm worried about it. I, I would give Sam Pittman after this next year way less than a 50% chance of making it. Yeah, they, they'll have to turn it around next year. It was Brian Brom, actually. He was number 12. He was, uh, he was the, the yeah. quarterback at Louisville, yeah. I was he thinking. He was good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bill, is in, up there in, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, it has to be a little bit of a distraction. How, how much do you think it, if not this week, but, but next week, do you think it affects them at all? And do you see any way that something happens where actually Coach Harbaugh is on the sideline that game? It does nothing but motivate the team. It's not a negative at all. 
and they're a very physical team. Guys, you realize for the last two and a half quarters of that Penn State game, they did not throw the football. Third and 12, they ran the football. Now, you can't do that against Georgia. If you see them in the future playoffs, you're not going to beat Georgia that way. But they are very impressive. They're physical. They're well-coached. And I have no idea. If, if, if this is a three-game suspension, and again, the courts and the temporary restraining order and all that, that, that we haven't heard back from yet, I'd go ahead and just take the three games. You're going to get Ohio State at home. You're going to be favored by probably four points or so. Right now, I think they're the better team. They are physically better than Ohio State, even though that Ohio State defense is much improved this year, but their offense isn't. It's not as good as when they had Stroud and some of those other receivers other than Marvin Harrison Jr. I think Michigan is sitting in a fantastic spot, regardless of the Harbaugh story. You know, it's funny. Last year, you had a Georgia team that just had to make up a bunch of crap that nobody believed in them. And they go on and they blow everybody out <laughs> under the national title. Now you get yeah. Michigan. Um, and I don't think that this is a distraction to them at all because they're using, they used the three game suspension early in the season as motivation to beat the living crap out of everybody they played. And it seems to me they can use this as outside motivation, you know, on, you know, just kind of from the outside. I mean, they're trying to call themselves America's team, which I think is hilarious because I think a lot of America is rooting against Michigan now. But that's only going to make them more steadfast in how they believe about their program and about their coach and about what they're doing. I think in the grand scheme of it, in this season of, that we're watching now, I mean, it, it's motivating them. Funniest thing, you guys might have been busy watching the game, but post-game, Sean Moore, they're interviewing him on Fox Network Television, and in the interview, he drops an S-bomb and an F-bomb. I don't think I've ever seen that. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at HitThatLine.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.